This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. I swear this is a minute early, Mikey. Uh, I am Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight as we look back on Palace's 3-3 draw away to Hull City. A terrible, embarrassing dive from Robert Snodgrass and the penalty from which he gave Hull the lead in a patchy first half. But a reaction in the second half saw Wilf Zahar win a penalty for Benteke to coolly dispatch to level the scores. Zahar then smashed uh, home after a mazy run from one of the best goals you're ever going to see to give the Eagles the lead. Unfortunately from there, the defensive woes returned. Uh, Diamande and Livermore both allowed to walk... I'll call him Diamande again. Diamond! And they were both allowed to walk through the Palace back line. This left Palace starting... Staring at an embarrassing defeat before that man Zaha picked out the head of super sub Fraser Campbell, who headed home to rescue a point. We'll be discussing all the major talking points, but we'd love to hear from you too. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out the ways how, including at holradio on Twitter, and of course the chat room, which I'm not sure we've got anyone in at the moment, but holradio.net forward slash chat. Maybe one of us will pop in there a little bit later on. We'll be back after this short message. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Well, I'll take you through the panel that I have with me. Um, hopefully they are all here. First of all, it's a welcome return for Mr. Dr. Kernas. Hello. Hello, indeed. Looking forward to arguing with Patrick today? Of course. <laughs> and, uh, and here is that man. It's Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon, Chris and Dr. and Mikey and Tim. And Tim, indeed, we've got a returning man uh, in the returning man, which is a thing, uh, in the shape of Mr. Tim Warren. Hi, Tim. Silence. What has happened to Tim? Just no Tim. Hello, Tim. No Tim. Let's move on. Hopefully, Tim will come back at some point. Uh, so, gents, we've uh, yet again experienced a. Uh, should we say somewhat frustrating set of uh, circumstances? Um, this time it's a, it's another team low down the table. It's you know it's Hull City who, by all accounts, were absolutely awful against Middlesbrough in their previous game. So a lot of people going into this game with confidence, 
it was a different setup that, that Hull put together. But, um, you know, really, I think people, if, uh, it's fair to say that people were expecting us to win that game, as was I, and very, very disappointed that we did. But let's talk about why that was. So to start, we'll look at the sort of the tactics and selection. So I, I did, again, I, we, we've had bad luck. Let's put it this way. We've had bad luck. And James Tompkins took a, a, a knock, which apparently in about three minutes before the end of the final training work session, uh, before, um, well, at the end of Friday. So a very, very late decision to uh, put Martin Kelly into the lineup, And we saw those old problems come back, Patrick. But is it as simple as saying that, you know, that, that would point to you to saying that Kelly's the only problem? I don't think it's that the case, is it? No, it's so not the only case. And uh, we could tell by the goals they scored that it's not just him. But I'm just trying to figure out why Fryers, he can come in for... Andros Townsend, but he can't start for Martin Kelly. That makes no sense to me. If you're not going to put him against Hull, he's never going to start for us. So what's the point? So I understand the fact with you know because the man just said after the match that Kelly wasn't prepared to start, which is a great statement, by the way. Um, but I understand he wasn't you know part of the pre probably pre week setup etc. etc. But it's strange that you know he, that the manager would point out that Kelly wasn't ready to play and he's played every game except for last week. But again, you can't put on one player. But again, I'm just wondering why Kelly, uh, sorry, Fryers can't get a start. Yeah, like you say, you, you wonder if, if he can't play against Hull, who can he play against? And he's right. played 45 minutes and did, did okay <laughs> in, a, in a wing-back role, which we'll talk about in just a moment, actually. <laughs> but, um, but DR, I mean, again, looking at the back four and looking at how we played, but, I mean, does Parcher have any other options other than the, um, the use of Fryers? And just, you know, is it, you know, for you, what, what's causing this problem? It's, it, I think it is Kelly, that is the problem. But clearly, Padre sees something that we don't see, that Fries is not what he thought, he uh, the player he thought he was. It, he can't, he clearly can't, he's not Premier League quality. And I don't know why he didn't spot this in pre-season. Because uh, if he did, then we wouldn't have this problem. But there's no other option to play Kelly. And yes, some people said, let's play Kelly right back. Uh, and that's this is what happened this game. Kelly did play right back, and still it was a little bit shambolic from him, and there was no, there's not that much of a difference from his performance. So yeah, but it does seem that 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 it's unsettled the rest of the defence because Dan had a torrid time as well, didn't he? We'll talk about the goals in a bit more detail, but if you look at the way he was beaten off with uh, Diamond's turn, you know that's that's very unscot Dan, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But if you're gonna put in a challenge there. I think he was just trying to hold him back. I don't. I don't think he expected that. And it was a great piece of skill. There's nothing really Dan could have done there. The only thing that could have happened is other players could have came quickly, like Delaney, who was right there, could have came and tried to take the ball off the Monday. If Dan tries to put in the tackle, it is very likely that he would have um, took his feet and he would have went for a penalty the way he done that scoop turn. So I can't really blame Dan for that goal. I think it was just a great piece of skill. Now that's a that's a very good point actually. You know, you, you, you know, it is possible for players to be beaten by skill, but we'll talk about the goal that followed that <laughs> about how that's the polar opposite a little bit later on. Tim, let's just check if you're alive. Hello. Oh my god, <laughs> poor Tim. He, he stepped in at the last moment and he's he can hear us, but we can't hear him. So we'll work we'll work on trying to get Tim involved uh, as soon as we can. It's very troubling. Poor blood. So. So Patrick, it's, it's, it's back to you. The, we we shifted uh, to match them up in the second half. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't really happy with it. Um, I don't actually think it worked that well. 
uh, until we got uh, a foothold back in the game from Zaha winning the penalty. Uh, I thought until that moment it looked like it had done precisely nothing. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about tactics, about how... The, obviously the problem was that, particularly on the left-hand side with Robertson, he kept getting in time and time again. But it wasn't that... You know, it wasn't that Zaha wasn't tracking back because he was, but more to the point, why on earth is Wilf having to track all the way back there when we've got a fullback? If you compare that to the game against West Ham, where they also played with a three, we had uh, they had that Lanzini as that sort of extra man in around the striker. Hull didn't really have that. Snodgrass was supposed to be doing that role, but he wasn't wasn't tight on him. So quite often, really, it should have just been one v one. It should have been Kelly acting as a normal fullback. Taking, taking on Robertson, and I felt really let down by the fact that we failed to make that work. I, I thought having to match Hull was an admission that we were playing poorly. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. I, I still don't understand it. And the, and the thing is with Wilf is that he's playing so well this this season, and part of his improvement has been the defensive game. And he's being forced to play more defensive because our right back it doesn't matter who it is, if it's Kelly or Ward, I just stopped playing well. And I've got a funny feeling. The reason why Townsend does not play on the right side, Chris, because he doesn't track back as well as um, as a Wilf, and they don't want to expose the right back as much. And I think you're seeing a problem on the left side is because it's, it's Townsend on that side, and that le- that left-sided player has to get back more. I've noticed in the past when it's been punching, when he's been forced out left, it's been a little bit more solid. But when you put Townsend back there, he tries, but he's not he's not really defensive, you know, uh, up and down the, the, the wings or up and down the sideline type of a, a wing back, and. Uh, you know, having, you know, I guess it was Ward yesterday playing left back, you know, we were exposed on both sides again. And again, I just don't think the tactical change of trying to get them, you know, going to the three in the back, it didn't didn't work. Is that is that affecting Townsend's forward forward game as well, the, the amount of defensive responsibility he does have on that side? I really think it is. I mean, I think when it, was, when it was Yannick and Wolf, they didn't have a problem both interchanging and coming back. I think the reason why the manager will not interchange them and will not have him come back is he wants to have Wolf. On that on that right side, to secure that our right side to help out wherever it is again Kelly Ward, and I think that Townsend's not comfortable coming back. Again, he does try, but you'll see him lose balls middle of field he shouldn't be losing. I think that's a problem. And people say, "Well, I'm just making play on the right side." It's not that simple because then that messes up Wilf's ability to both get forward and defend. So it really messes up everything. So there's a balance issue that people aren't seeing when saying, "I'll oh, just put put Townsend on the right side where he's more comfortable, cut on the left foot, etc." It doesn't really work that way. It really doesn't. Uh, Dave Matthews got in touch still in Mexico from last week lucky man lucky. Uh, and so it's only agrees again and the switch in the formation didn't actually work in the second half and our midfield never matched him and again that was something that was fairly endemic in the in the third goal we conceded but look I like the fact that, that we had again I like the fact that we can adjust our tactics and we didn't actually do too badly with it as a system but I, again towards the end of the second half it seemed to be abandoned anyway and we sort of almost drifted back into a, into a back four, but without the players to really cope for it. So again, I think we weakened ourselves unnecessarily. But what was the the biggest concern for me? Not not just talking tactically, but talking about the mentality of the players is how afraid we were to make a challenge uh, for, for large periods of that game. Uh, does that point to a fragile confidence, dear? Yeah, I think it does. I, I think the players are not confident enough because. In their in their minds, we're playing whole. It's not like we're playing someone like Everton, which is a team that's that's playing bad right now. It's whole. Whole is shouldn't cause us threat. Whole shouldn't make us play five at the back. And this is a problem. I don't think the players um Pardew are getting along well. I think they both don't trust each other as much and they're just getting into the minds how 
Pardew, um, our league form, it just everything is just getting into our getting into their minds and it's just damaging their confidence. Something needs to be sorted quickly. But but what's what could be sorted? What do you think? Main uh, manager. That's what could be sorted. But <laughs> just put that down for manager. <laughs> yeah, it is because the manager selects the teams. The manager puts Townsend on the left. The manager puts Zaha on the right. So if the players aren't confident of where they're playing, and also our league form, but our, but our manager is the biggest reason because he should motivate the players. In earlier on in the season, the manager Pardew, you have to give him credit against Bournemouth because he he pumped them up. But now he can't do the same thing, and you can see it. The players are not confident enough. No, fair play. I'm going to see if Tim's available. Hi, Tim. No, Tim's not available. I've just seen some weird dots appear by his name. Gutting. Can it get to a point where I'm going to just... It's going to be the catchphrase for the show. Hi, Tim. And then some <laughs> 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 um, No, look, it, it, it's a difficult one. But I, yes, you, you could talk about it, it being down to the manager. I thought it was very interesting. I don't know if you've seen this, Patrick, but... There's an interview with Damien Delaney uh, on the... Uh, I watched it on Obviously, he was asked about Pardew, and he's not going <laughs> to sit there and go... I didn't well, need him one second. But what he did, he talked, he talked about the fact that, that the manager is very good. It's a, very, it's a strength of his that he keeps people going. He keeps the, you know, the attitude good, keeps people, you know, keeps people up when... when Things are against them, but are you seeing the evidence of that? No, nah, I'm, not, I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. And uh, again, I'll harken back. I know you guys spoke about it last week. I'll harken back. The Damer come back last week was a big deal, but the week before against um, Swansea, the man didn't pay, did, did not care or did not show enough emotion for me when we when we were in that match. And I get the fact he wants to play, but um, to say that he gets gets us going, I just I thought I was pretty disingenuous watching that interview. I mean, I watched it pretty intensely. I watched it twice actually. Um, I, I, don't, I don't. I'm thinking what the DR said about getting the players going, and, and you're right. He did, definitely got them going. You know, in the Bournemouth. I just not seeing. I get. I give the players credit. They have not given up on on the team. Whether it's the manager, they just they haven't given up. But there there are certain times in the game where you just don't see enough uh, from them. I don't know if it's the tactics that they don't like or agree with. Or it's just something else going on. Because yesterday I thought Punchin played much deeper than I would have liked him to play. I don't know why Letty wasn't sitting in front of the back four like, more like he did against Southampton. And yeah. it didn't seem like the tactically, it looked kind of weird. And I just don't think the players are buying into what, what he wants to do with them or for them. No, it's a good point. And uh, you, you pick out Ledley there. Again, going to, going to the third goal. You know, he's putting a couple of no-nonsense clearances. But, you know, again, uh, and I know there's a conversation going on between uh, Nick Gillard and, and Nav on Twitter about this at the moment, okay. where a lot of people are picking um, Kabai's uh, mistake, should we say, the fact that he's gone the wrong direction as Livermore's come towards him. Um, a lot of people picking that out. But before it's it's Ledley who doesn't go with the runner for a start. It's Agreed. just a simple one-two around him. So that's a bit of a worry for me that, that, that Ledley's let that happen, given the fact that his role is in their screening. Very, very frustrating indeed. But you move that on, and it's it's actually, if you look, first of all, as Nav's pointed out, Delaney and Dan aren't close enough together, but that's because we're in this back three again, and it's perhaps an unfamiliar situation, and they are a bit wider, and there is a gap between them, but, but really, that, that doesn't help. But if you actually look at what Scott, Dan, and um, Johan Kabai do, as soon as Ledley sort of, sort of stops... And, and sort of decide to go. Oh well, I've lost my, I've lost the runner. I wasn't switched on. I've lost the runner. 
The two of them were moving towards him, but they both see each other at the same time and stop. And kind of freeze exactly, yeah? Yeah. So Dan sort of goes, oh, Kabai's getting him. Oh, Kabai goes, oh, Dan's getting him. And in the end, it just looks absolutely awful. Now, when you're talking about the sort of the, the palace fight of old, if you like, the thing that got us out of the championship and into this division, they would have both gone for it. You know? That's the bottom line. So I can, I can understand the mistake. But the mentality has to be that they, they both go for it. They have to knock each other over to get it to get to him. Exactly. And instead, you know, Livermore just walked through and passed it into net to put them three two up. And it, that is basic stuff. What is happening there? I really don't know. Um, well, for me, Chris, we're, we're really lacking a, a true defensive midfielder. You know, I, I put on Twitter yesterday. I want to. I want to play in that can head the ball can tackle, make a five-yard pass. That's all he's got to do and sit in front of the back four. We don't have a play. We do not have a player like that. Kabai doesn't play that way. Lady can't play that way. I know who can. He's at Villa. And we're not getting him back. So, you know, I'm moving on. But we need to get somebody. We have to get that player because people say all the time, you defend as a team. It's not just about the back four and the keeper, and it's not. But when our midfielder does not have a screener and our, uh, you know, to help out, it's, it's a major problem for us. It really is. I agree, but it seems odd that, like you say, Ledley did that job brilliantly against Southampton, and then the following week, he's not doing it. He's not. You know what's, what's it, happened? Maybe. What's changed? Yeah, yep. Dear. Um, with with the Scott Dan and Kabai thing, we is you mentioned the championship, but we've recently seen our players actually do this against Watford in the FA Cup semi final. I remember at one stage where there was literally five Crystal Palace, five of our players on the floor because of that's, one that's, challenge. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So these players have proved that they could, they are determined to play for this club. But I just think it just comes down to the manager. It just comes down to the manager that they just they're just so nervous and and the league form that they can't really like they're not they don't want to go for the balls. They they all have different thoughts. Oh, if I go for it, um, would I get blamed? Oh, I think behind the scenes stuff that we don't see it affects the players as well. Because I don't know what Padre exactly says to the players when they do a mistake. I think that affects them as well. So these players do show commitment. They can show it. They've shown it again last season on the FA Cup. But I just think right now there's a big crisis going on. And that Padre, um is the big reason for that. Well, there you go. Strong words from Mr. Kernaz again. Padre's the big reason for it. But I don't think it's anything you disagree with, is it, Patrick? No. And again, you know, um, I'm sure you guys heard the... the Parish talks for interview during the week and he's not going anywhere so whether we like it or not and the players like it or not they're gonna have to figure out something soon because he's he's here for the long haul and I mean the long haul I'm talking about January February I'm not talking about next two three games that's a given he's gonna be whether we lose to Man United or Chelsea or not he's here so they've got to get their head right and he's got to get his tactics right and figure this out because it's tough to watch right now I mean I'm trying to find something to grasp onto Chris I love the fact we're scoring goals but we give up goals like, like it's a joke and it's not fun watching the team when you when you uh, when someone scores a fantastic goal like Zaha scores, you just know that's not the end of the match. You know what I mean? It's hard to watch this and and be and be up for it when you just know the things are going on in the background that just aren't working for us. I think we talked about this the last couple of weeks, where this it's the range of emotions you're going through in, in a game at the moment. Yeah, it's just it's just exhausting. It's very very hard not to go to extremes of an opinion when you're being taken to extremes of emotion on a, such a regular basis. You know, the sort of jubilation of celebrating one of the best goals you'll ever see. And you're talking seconds later. You know, we are, we're up the other end conceding a, you know, yeah, a goal that was a very good piece of skill, but in the lead-up to it, we just, we just let them walk through. Yeah. And that is, that is a problem. That, that You cannot just keep giving people so many, just an easy goal. 
in this in this Premier League. It's an easy goal. Do you know here's here's a couple of stats for you, right? The 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 said over the weekend we have been in, in in our games in the last seven games there have been 36 goals 36 how, goals how many for how many against oh don't make me do that <laughs> sorry <laughs> but but you know what i mean it's, it's quite a lot of four it's you know, it's not terrible you know we, we put three without reply past southampton you know what i mean but it, you know it's it's probably fairly relatively even when you think about it but 36 goals in seven games it's not normal you know we again i I, I heard Pardew after the game refer to it oh it's you know it, that was just this game this this game was just all you know you refer to it as almost as if it's a anomaly an out, yeah it's an right. anomaly it's out of the ordinary it's this crazy game oh what a crazy match it was yeah. oh, what a crazy match we had against Swansea <laughs> that crazy game against Burnley as well Those and the Liverpool game games. Oh. and the Liverpool oh what a crazy <laughs> game that was it's, so, it's a crazy season <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy season you know we're going we're gonna to be in triple figures in the uh, goals for and against Colin by the end of the season if we carry on this way it's ridiculous it's got to stop uh, a couple of tweets coming I want to get to uh, before we move on uh, was uh, on the subject of the three at the back, Mike uh, CPFC can. Uh, that's Mike Timms. Uh, got in touch to say Chris Greer for Grierson's interview. Pardew admitted that uh, they hadn't practiced the back three since pre-season. It seems uh, strange to try and use it now. And so really, it's, I thought the same, to be honest with you. And, and you, Pardew's demeanour when talking about it was mine when I saw it, as in it was it didn't really work pre-season. <laughs> Against, you know, there's only so much you can tell, but we, we looked to, to struggle with it as a system. We really did. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of an interesting one. It's, you know, I don't, again, like I said, I don't have a problem with us trying something to sort of, but I do have a kind of problem, just mentality-wise, that, that we had to go and match Hull. You know, what does what does that say about us? Because I actually thought, before they got the penalty, and we will talk about that in a bit, before they got that penalty, we were actually better than them by quite some distance. They They weren't looking like they were going to get into the game. But as soon as that happened, we went to pieces, and they were by far the better side. And if you look at the the stats from the game, they were they had more possession than us. I think they had pretty much the same chances on target and, and, and off target as well. But you know they had more of the ball than us. They put us under an awful lot of pressure, passed you know passed through us at times. You know we're supposed to be the the passing team. They got promoted last year. They got half a squad and lost their manager on the eve of the season. And and who which team would you say that look you know look more like that? It was, I was, you know, it was extremely disappointing, you know, and, and there was a time where an elation of a last minute sort of equaliser would sort of carry you through it, but not anymore. Yeah, yeah. It really isn't. So uh, if you do want to uh, pop to the chat room, it's holradio.net forward slash chat and Patrick's in there. What you got for me, Patrick? Boogie the Eagle. Um, our season might well hinge on how we do in the transfer window. Can I see the defence improving while rotating the back five with mainly Kelly in and out of the team? It's a good point. I like that one. Um, J Dog three. I think we need two new defenders and centre forward minimum. Um, yeah. And Boudigal again. I think January will be a real test of the club in terms of. Um, terms of. <laughs> of weather. Then he stopped. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But you know what? He makes, a good, he makes a good point. He says anybody got to the bottom of the wife for a minute isn't playing. You know what? J Dog's got a good point. I, I think that um, the person I described before. Would be Flamini. I don't know why he's not getting a chance to play. I think I remember yesterday they were going to bring him on at one point. I know that when we were maybe two one up, but I think when <laughs> Hulk came right back and scored at two two, I think <laughs> Pruthi changed our plan. But I think it was ready to come on, which would have been interesting to see him play because again, we've only seen him play for like about three minutes the entire season. So 
It's worth right. it. It's worth something. Uh, there's some some banter going on uh, on on Twitter about votes and how you're from America, so you probably lost confidence in them. But it was in re- it was in reference to Nick making a uh, comment about the vote of confidence, uh, which is the dreaded vote of confidence, of course. Yeah, but, whenever, uh, whenever the ball come out and say no, manager's fine, he's going nowhere. Usually wrong. about a week later, he's gone. But I, you he's, know, he's wrong. I'm telling you right now. In any other case, I agree with with Nick. But I'm telling you, with with this this manager and this owner, he's not going anywhere. I'm telling. I don't care. I'm telling you, he's not going anywhere. He's not. There you go. Uh, Dan Cortabin's got in touch saying uh, Pardew's never going to figure it out because of his gigantic ego. If there's zero pressure from above, he'll keep doing the same stuff. I said a little... I said a similar thing on, uh, on Twitter during the game. It was actually during, during Fraser Campbell scoring, but I still kept it going. And I was saying that if you repeat the same mistakes, you shouldn't be surprised when the same, the same results occur. And that's the basic message I would say. So something clearly has to change. Because, again, I go back to the fact that we're talking about a game as a, as a freak result, and it quite clearly isn't a game a freak result at all. It's um, you know we we have problems, we have real problems, and it's about it's about realizing that and moving on. And and Pardew's got a limited amount of time to do that. In. He really has. Chris, uh, can I point something out? Last yeah. week, um, I just this is how much um, I think Kelly is is damaging us. Last week, when we put Tompkins there, did you actually see how finally, as as a defensive group, who was a little bit solid during during the end of the game last week against um, Southampton? Yeah, we were shaky because there was that. Oh, we need to keep a clean sheet. We haven't kept it for this many games, but we was actually solid for once. So I think. Putting Tomkins there does really sort most of our issues because Wolf doesn't have to track back because they wouldn't have to smash our rape a right back because they know that he, he, we actually have a decent right back. So Wolf has a better chance of keeping his energy and attacking it. And also, as a group, we're just we seem more comfortable. Like with with I think Kelly's the biggest problem. I think, I think that's it. I think what you said there and again, it's no point trying to make someone a scapegoat because. You know, Kelly doesn't uh, doesn't affect how you know Scott Dan and Damien Delaney defend. Really, he shouldn't. You know, they I think get he does the basic stuff. But what I will say, the bit you picked out there, where you're talking about Wilf not having to track back, it's not just it's not just about Wilf. Although that's kind of a, a good example of what what I mean is it's the confidence other people have in him. See, with Tompkins, I think people have a bit more confidence in him. He's very very comfortable on the ball. Kelly does nev- never looks comfortable on the ball. You know, he, he looks like someone who wants to get rid as soon as possible. And the other players will be aware that if he's on the ball under pressure, you've got to give him options. Whereas with Tompkins, you know, he can pick a pass. He can he can play nice and calm. Kelly, for whatever reason, and you know, th- again, this is not a bad player. I don't think Kelly's a bad player. I don't know why he's struggling like he's struggling, but he's he's better than he's showing in my view, and he should be able to pass the ball relatively well. You know, what I mean, he's an England international, but uh, I don't know. I, I I do I do kind of get what you're saying. Em. The evidence would suggest when we play against Southampton and, and keep a clean sheet and, the, and we look solid because Martin Kelly's not in the side, the evidence does suggest, like I said at the top of the show, that, that Kelly's the weak link. But I don't know. As, as I said with Patrick, it's got, for me, it's got to go more than that. Yeah, but yesterday um, you saw how I remember there was massive gaps at right back. And every time Kelly does play, it, it's just always they attack the right back cause, or left back because of, of Kelly. And for that reason, majority of the the time, Wilf has to track back because of uh, it always comes as a coincidence that whenever um, they swap wings, they attack Kelly then 
and that's what I'm saying. And it does help. Uh, I think it does damage um, Delaney and Dan's confidence because wh- whenever Kelly's out of position or every time they attack Kelly, is that Dan has to move there and then he just leaves a gap. He just he keeps opening gaps and that's that's the biggest reason why we consider so many goals. Well, I see what you I, mean. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to argue because you know we've talked before about how how lack of confidence in a player can have a real effect. We talk a lot about the the goalkeepers in that respect, but um, you know, and, and having a confidence in your goalkeeper makes you know for for a sorry, should we say easier decision making process when you uh, when you defend him? Oh, mm. yeah, sorry, um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. Look, um, I, I want to talk about Wilf in a lot of detail, but we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that after the, the, the mid mid break. Let's talk a little bit about the the cheating. Um, I think that's probably a good play. Very, this is where you know, and it's hard not to feel sorry for the manager in some senses with this kind of stuff, right? Because it is a turning point in the first half. There's no real excuse for. I mean, the referee, Pardew was nice about it. Pardew has said, "I feel sorry for the referee because at full speed from his angle, it looks like a penalty." Um, but you know, this, this he's a professional referee the top level of football and he's bought a, a, a terrible terrible dive and the reaction of the player says it all patrick your views it, it's a terrible mike jones is an idiot i'm sorry um I, I watched it like five times he's he's got a perfect view so how he didn't see that dan did not come close to touching stone grass i'll never understand and in that case if he's not sure you just let it go you don't have to. You don't. You don't book Stone Grass for dive. You don't have to book Dan. Let it go. You do not call a penalty. You just don't call it. And you're right. Stone Grass's reaction, begging for the penalty. I mean, and then Dan was apoplectic at the end, saying, hands on his head, screaming, "No, no, I didn't touch him." I, I don't understand that. And there'd be no retroactive action at all to Stone Grass. He was already on a yellow card. You're sure going to second up for a red card. Changes the entire game. So that is the one time I'll agree with you, Chris. I'm sorry for the manager because it changes the game. Because after that, we were, we were playing well before that, that penalty was scored. And yeah, after yeah. that, it took us so long to get back into the game. So, so long. We just lost, you know, we, just, we lost all kind of flow and impetus in the game. And, and goals change games. And again, us falling behind, we know it's never a good thing. So I thought it was a horrible one for him to go on Twitter after and apologize. Really? Oh, the the I mean, so exactly. Oh, my God. You know, it's so frustrating. Really yeah, Lucy just got in touch to say the same. It's made uh, the apology made her far more furious than the actual incident itself. Yep. I don't think it was possible for me to be more furious than the actual incident itself. I just look. It, it is. It is what it is. But as you pointed out, he should have got a second yellow card. Yeah. He should have been off the pitch. Changes the game. Um, you know the fact that he's apologised, then gone and <laughs> scored the penalty, celebrated it, right, shushed exactly. the Palace fans shushed while doing it. And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. I just I thought, I, I thought Dan was going to uh, challenge me, so I fell over a bit. Sorry, guys. You know, never you know what, Chris? You know what, Chris? If you're so sorry, miss the penalty then. Yeah, well, uh, there's a really famous Robbie Fowler incident, isn't there, where his exactly. penalty was given yep. against him, and he was just kind of confused about it being given, so just deliberately missed. Right. You know, if that. you're actually sorry, then do that. If you're not sorry, which he isn't, <laughs> he's not. Exactly. He is not right. sorry. Then not keep your mouth shut. Say, oh, I cheated, I won a penalty, I'm glad I did. But it was actually pointed out that he he was talking about uh, Forestieri uh, from Sheffield yeah, I Wednesday. I thought that, exactly. He wrote cheating. an article in The Guardian <laughs> sort of saying, it's pathetic people cheating to win stuff, I'd never cheat and all this. Basically laying into him. So that's what, why that is. He's had to say something because 
he's gone into uh, into press about someone else being a cheat and then done exactly well done worse absolutely appalling stuff from Snodgrass hate him dr um yeah but let's all right let's be honest there yes he has cheated yes he has scored a goal yes he has celebrated but if punchin fell down or if zaha fell down if zaha done what snodgrass done and he scored would we say anything we yes, wouldn't i would now and i'll tell you why last year when Benteke did that against Paris, i was furious yeah was but furious. Benteke was in our player but listen to me right when we bought him ask you can ask nav i was but you know what i hope he never does that for us because i can't stand players that cheat so I, I don't care if you're on my side or not. I don't like cheating, DR. So I would have been furious if a Palace player did it or not. And I've never seen, never seen Wolf do that ever. I've seen Wolf go down by getting challenged. Yeah, I've never seen him dive and call for a penalty. No, I've never seen. Yeah. I've really never seen an ad from from Wolf. Or <laughs> definitely not from Punching. I've never I'm seen not, it. I, yeah, I'm not saying if Wolf. I'm just using them as an example. I'm not saying Wolf dives or Punching dives. I, they haven't. I don't. None of them it, dive. But I'm just saying. I don't if, like it. If we're, in holes, if we're in holes position where they're in a relegation zone. Yeah, we are. They're struggling yeah. badly. We we're are. not in a relegation zone. And plus, we've scored the fifth most goals in the league. Where Hull have scored the 20th. Uh, it's ranked last. They've only scored they 11 goals. They're still ranked last. Yeah, after, yeah. after playing us. After, yeah. They've, so, if, you're in, if, you're t- if your team that you play for are, have only scored 11 goals in 14 games. And he has an opportunity like this. You're telling me that you would miss... The, like that if if uh, you would expect Zar to miss the penalty or punch the misplay or Ben taking the miss penalty, no, they wouldn't because the referee has gave it and it's up to the referees. So unfortunately, on that side, we can't complain. But what we can complain no. for is how the FA is going to deal with this because I disagree. Right. Disagree. Sorry. Right. Okay. Well, let me let me as ever <laughs> try and <laughs> try and find find the middle ground here. Look, absolutely understand what you're saying, Dio, and there's a chance. I'll admit. That when when you look down the reaction from the whole fans on on social media when it happened and and afterwards as well, there are a mixture of people saying, well, you know, that's a bit embarrassing. To uh, people saying, well, you know, I've seen them given against us, so you know, things even themselves up. To people saying, well, Zaha did it for the second penalty, which he didn't. <laughs> but and people just saying quite simply, look, you know, it's exactly. part of the game. It happens. All that kind of stuff. I think I know what you're saying. When you when you see that kind of stuff. Um, and we've had players that have been accused of diving, and I've always felt that that's been unjust. But that might just be the bias, you know. I never thought AJ dived, but pretty much every fan of every other club he didn't play for would tell you he's a diver and was known for it. But Good point. What, I w- what I will say is that that dive, that that was something else. That wasn't that wasn't your normal kind of dive. I would have been. Sh- I'm, I'm not as I know what Pat. I know Patrick's telling the absolute truth when he says he would never support a player uh, diving. I, I know he's telling the absolute truth. I would I would find a way of justifying it to myself. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. And, I, and I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be sitting here on this show and I'll be going, well, if you look in a slow motion, actually when he comes across him, he does catch him a bit higher up than you people thinking. Everyone's looking at the feet, but it wasn't about, I'd find something. I really would. Uh, but I do know, what you're, do know what you're saying. And it is a valid point that we... We as fans will find a way of... Uh... And, and one point I want to uh, put that as well is, as a league, um, I think the FA need to sort out with the diving because there's been diving issue that's been going on forever. And look, clearly, if you look now, he has dived, he's admitted he's dived, he's celebrated and he says sorry. So what is the FA going to do about this? Because he can't do it next week and nothing's going to happen to him again. He's still going to play. Maybe if he did get banned, maybe he would prevent maybe this will prevent him from actually trying to dive like he did there that's what well, I think 
Well, let's we'll get to what we what we would like to see the FA doing in just a second. But um, so uh, if you do, if you've got your opinions on this as well, uh, the phone lines are actually working at the moment. You can get through. I'm not promising we'll we'll put anyone through <laughs> because it depends <laughs> on the flow of the show. But if you do want to try and get in touch with us today, you can phone us on 0208 123 double six double nine uh, it's also on the listen live page on holradio.net uh, calls charge at a local rate will come out of your minutes bundle on your mobile if you phone with a withheld number we won't be answering it because then we can't send pizzas to you when you abuse us um, that's the main reason um, but yeah Great. if you do want to get in touch that is 0208 123 Patrick your views on what the FA could do there's nothing they can do, and that's one of the problems. I mean, retroactively, you, not, you don't book a player for diving in a box, getting a penalty kick, and then scoring it. You might, um, you might, you know, you might, they can take away Dan's yellow card, which they better do because that was obviously uh, wrong. But as far as what they're going to do, nothing. But you know what? Delielli did the other day too. They've got to, be, they've got to start looking at that. They've got to start looking at players like that who do that and and start giving them. Uh, Bans after because it's it's becoming an epidemic in the Premier League. It's embarrassing. Deli Ali did, what Deli Ali did was embarrassing. What Stonka just said was embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the game. It really is. So, um, obviously, uh, Nick got in touch with us earlier on and said about the fact that they they have retrospective action in Scotland. And obviously, that's there's a bit of a. I mean, it, I I agree with it. It's, it's a quite a good way of dealing with it. But the trouble is, it's such a minefield, right? Because there's a clear there's clear dives. Like we've we've seen, like as you say, Delhi Ali, Delhi, <laughs> Delhi Ali. God, why is that difficult for me to say? It's tough to find that out on air as well. Um, but <laughs> you know, we can we can talk about that. We can talk about Snodgrass and their obvious dives. They're terrible dives. But then you get into the territory of something that at slow motion looks like a terrible dive, that a full pace could just be explained by someone jumping out of the way of a challenge. Stuff where you know a player goes down, a penalty is given, but they haven't actually appealed for it. The 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 sort of the grey areas of penalty appeals make this whole diving issue quite difficult. And I can remember feeling quite sympathetic towards Bale uh, a couple of seasons ago when when he was getting absolutely hammered for diving while playing for Spurs. But when you watched pretty much any of those incidents at full speed, the guy was absolutely flying, you know, and people were sliding in at him. It's, it's it was dangerous stuff, and it, it was, you know, just because there's no contact doesn't mean it isn't actually a foul. So that that's where I, uh, that's where I sat. I think it's very difficult to to accurately retrospective punish, but I would like to see the worst of the results. Um, I would like to see them punished in some way. The trouble is with Snodgrass. What should have happened? Justice would have been a red card. No, no penalty for no them. No penalty, down to ten men you know? exactly. And let's yep. not forget, he should have should have should have gone off when he chops Wilf down as well. Yep. And and there was another incident after that when he pulled someone back that he should have gone off for. So, you know, what I really would like to see is the res- retrospective action with the with the referee. Stick the referee in front of a TV camera and stick and stick that on video on and say, what the hell are you giving that for? Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. 
However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know? That, Chris. Go on. Chris, sorry. Uh, DR, you know, you, you had mentioned before, I'm in a chat room and Booty make a great point. Jerome Thomas... Um, I think did it against Swansea and he got rollicking. Remember that three seasons ago when he when he when he died away to Swansea and at the end of the game I guess it was one one he could have scored a goal instead of scoring he he went down and people would gave him dogs abuse for that. So it's not like if it happens for us we don't we don't we don't you know kill our own players we do. So I know I, I remember that game and I hated the fact that Jerome Thomas chose to dive in a box that are trying to score a goal. So I, I'm not I I never believe in diving I just don't believe in it. it's horrible it's horrible yeah, part I- of the game. I've just remembered yeah. Jerome Thomas exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> What's it been up to? Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's it's it's. I'm not saying in that way where all right, if we would accept our place diver, but I'm just saying if at that moment in a match, you you don't know if Snodgrass has dived, if your whole fan, everyone probably did think it was a foul because it happened so quickly. The thing is, you don't. If you, no one, no player would miss if they have the opportunity to score a penalty, they wouldn't. Because why would you miss? Especially if you're in hold position. They need goals. They need to win because they are in deep trouble. They hardly have a proper squad out there. No, and I, I, I get that point. My point really was about the diving, not about him missing. Missing is obviously is way above his pay grade. He's not going to miss. I'm just saying that, you know, at, he, he dived and you knew he dived. Instead of, he should have got up to the referee and said, you know what, referee didn't touch me. He could have done that. He, yeah, he, yeah. he, he could have done that. He, he appealed like he got kicked. Then he says after, oh, I, I went down. I anticipated the, the challenge. Get lost. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why I mentioned the, That's why. That's why I mentioned the FA thing because afterwards he mentioned it, but there he didn't say nothing to the referee. He acted all innocent, right. and he was he was trying to actually say to a player just move out the way. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say is is the FA going to ever do anything like this? Because he it, he knew that he dived, and afterwards he says sorry, but sorry doesn't. Mean anything? Golf, when, right. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, it doesn't mean anything. There's so a, yeah, look, there's a bigger picture as well because we are talking about you know a, a cheat, and that's you know Snodgrass is now officially a cheat, which exactly. is you know, exactly exactly would always be so. Yep. But um, but we're also talking about a referee who's denied penalties for Palace as well. Now, but it, okay, he's given us 
a clear penalty by Snodgrass, by the way, on on Zaha. You cannot argue with that. Now, right. and and uh, Hull fans will, would were and will point and say, you know, Wilf's won that penalty. You know, he's 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 leaned over Snodgrass's leg. Right. Well, first of all, I want to say no, he didn't. <laughs> he's twisted and turned him. Exactly. And, and Snodgrass hasn't been able to cope and has just chopped him down and tried to chop him down once before it. And exactly. Too quick. And missed. So, yep. Absolute clear penalty, no question about it. Let's not even bother pretending it wasn't. But then look at what happens with Benteke just before the their third goal. I mean, how how is Mike Jones not giving that as a penalty? It's Huddleston, isn't it? He's got back and just boots Benteke's feet. How can you not give that as a penalty? It's insane. I'm not so much. I'm not necessarily as with Pardew thinking that the that Dawson's grab on Benteke late on is a penalty. That. Under the new supposed new interpretation, it, it of rules, would be. It should be. Yeah. So that's that seems to be like a randomizer where it depends on the referee and the, the time of day and how much they've eaten or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Let's see if they're actually going to apply the rules. But but you know that's and there was <laughs> there was quite a late challenge or a dodgy challenge by uh, Andy Robertson on, on Wilf as well. I say, is it Andy Robertson, their fullback? I think it is. Um, so Adam, there was actually right? no, that's someone else, isn't it? Is it Adam Robertson? Adam, maybe. Uh, yeah, Andrew, I think. Andrew, yeah, Andrew. Andrew. One of them. It's A. Robertson. A. A. Robertson, yeah. A. Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> the <left back. laughs> but there you go. It's, uh, I just, that, that was, you know, he, that, that was nearly a penalty. You know, I, I, I could have, I've seen them given, and it was in, infinitely more of a penalty than Snodgrass's. So let's just say if Snodgrass's penalty is the marker point for Mike Jones giving penalties, Wilf should have had two. Benteke two, so we should have had four penalties. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fact. So if you want to talk about retrospective action, you know my retrospective action is that in the next game we start with four penalties. Sorry, three penalties because we scored one. Got given one. Uh, <laughs> and we might have a chance of actually getting something out of it. <laughs> <our next weekend. laughs> Probably miss all of them. No, but <laughs> you can't. <laughs> That's that's different because it was not like we're talking about dive here. We're not talk, we're not talking about oh it was it, it was like that type of situation where Benteke goes down and it should have been a penalty. It wasn't. It, this one was a different situation. That's what I'm trying to put out there. And yeah, the referee was poor. But what can we do about it? It's under it's under. We can't pick the referee. All we can do is say the referee's poor and accept that. Hopefully people that's high in the rankings will do something about it. There's nothing else we can do. That's a problem. And you need luck. You need luck in the Premier League. If you don't have no luck, then you're going to struggle. And we're not having any luck. That's a problem. Well, yeah, no, I, I, would, I would certainly go along with that. We, we got luck against Southampton. Let's not forget that. We you talked, yeah, right. Yeah. We talk, but, talked a bit about how that changed the game. But, right. but yeah, yeah. No, look, I'll go along with that, Dio. That's fine. I just want to say there's a tweet coming from you from uh, someone called Jail the Caddy. It says, eight. Good to hear the kid on tonight. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well in, Joe. Uh, Cheers, Joe. Uh, and uh, Luce has said, totally agree with this fam. He is sick. I think they are mocking you and your uh, urbanness. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. I never say fam. I never say sick. I don't know why people. Sick fam! <laughs> <laughs> Producer Mikey heard for the first time on Homestead Radio not swearing as well there. <laughs> See, that's the person who says sick and fam. You should blame him, right. not me. I don't right, say let's, 
let's let's let little poor listeners not have to live through our daily lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've we've got a lot of moaning out of the way. You know, let's let's talk about Wilfred Zaha, but let's do it after a short message. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code PALACE that means if you don't make money in your first contest FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now what are you waiting for? Terms apply over 18s only please play responsibly how good is Punch so that last little comment there came courtesy of, of Joe. He phoned up on a uh, 0208. <laughs> what was it? I've forgotten our number already. Damn it. That would have worked so well. 0208 If you do want to get in touch today, we're running out of time. But if you do want to give us a call, feel free. Um, mm, decisions, decisions, decisions. Let's just, let's just talk. I did really surprise Mikey there um, with the advert. I didn't give him any warning at all. And, and I enjoyed it. But uh, he's punishing me by not muting afterwards, so all I can hear is a hiss in my head. Um, it's hurting. There he goes, gone. Oh, oh dear, you have no idea how much that hurts. Right, okay, let's talk Wilf. What a player. What a player he is. He is now in the category of genius. Probably always has been, but there's something... It's just unbelievable how much he's kicked on this season. You're, you're talking about all the things we talked about last week and, and throughout the course of this season, about just the fact that he can play it simple now, the fact that he's def- the defensive part of his game is, has come on sort of leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. The, it's the maturity he plays with now and the fact that he's almost like, you know, I know he, he's probably always known how good he is, but he really believes in his talent now. You, you just look at the goal he scored for the second goal and it's, that is everything that, that Wilf has been promising for years. You know, Pardew talked about it post-game and said he's got the whole of the opposition in front of him when he, took, when he controls that ball. Let's not just talk about the fact the first touch is from a header out from a corner and he just kills it dead straight away. And then in a second, he shifted his weight, got driven into the area. And then it's the skill to get past other people. But then the power in that shot. And yeah, instantly reminds you of the, the goal for uh, Brighton in the, against Brighton in the playoffs for 2-0 where he's absolutely smashed it in. But bear in mind, that was with the left foot, this was with, with the right the, that has got so much, so so much, and he is getting back into that top, that category. Where we start singing about him being too good for us, um, even where we are in the Premier League. It's I just cannot. I, I, we, we, I don't say this lightly. We talked about it during the, in the week on the chat, and people on this who's listened to this show a lot know that Wilf Zaha is well was one of my all time favourite players. It was definitely my favourite current player. Uh, I talked about how much of, of, I rated him when I voted him into my all-time eleven, all this kind of stuff. But I said this this week, and I and I really do mean this. He's my favourite Palace player ever. Now he's just passed Ian Wright, and he's also now what I consider to be the most talented player I've ever seen play for Palace. He's moved ahead of Lombardo. 
I just I've got there's nothing else that that, that there's no one now that trumps Will for me. Absolutely phenomenal player. So I just and the thing is for me, he's not even he's not even near his best. I cannot I can't even fathom what he's gonna be like in a couple of years. It's just, there you go. That's what I've got to say again about Wilf. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, um, the goal was ridiculous. It's the kind of goal that deserves to win a game. Yeah, it reminds me of the punching goal at Wembley. Goals like that don't deserve to be pulled back to one-one and two-one or whatever, and then or two-two. They deserve to win games. Anybody else scores that goal yesterday? Anybody else in the Premier League? They're talking like that goal for months. I mean, imagine if Hazard scores that goal or Ibrahimovic scores that goal. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I can only watch Paris for three reasons right now. Zaha, Benteke and Punchin because they just they bring the joy out in the game for me it's, watching that kid play is great I love watching him play um, I'm not worried about him leaving now um, I don't think it's going to happen in January I think between the AFCON England him said he wanted to stay he won't leave in January but I think post-January because we're going to be in big trouble because you're right he deserves a bigger stage than that than us he just does I mean his emotion after that goal yesterday was his face. It was, it was, it was, um, it's, it's everything, everything I love about Palace was that. It was perfect. It's why I support Palace. But there's no way a player like going to want to stay and battle through another relegation threatened season the way we're going with the same manager. He's not going to want to do it. He's not going to want to do it. So I, I, I love that goal yesterday. I'm, I'm a love when I watch this kid play, but I'm really afraid at some point we'll lose him. But yesterday's goal was absolutely top notch. Maybe the one I've ever seen scored by a Palace player. It was just the skill. The shot, the emotion, the, the score, it was, it, was, it was phenomenal. The thing is, for me, he shouldn't... I would hate to see him go to Tottenham. Of course. Anywhere you know I mean? Tottenham. Not, no, no, not just because it's, because it's... But, but that's the sort of thing that will happen. And I don't think in they this country, yeah. I don't think in the Premier League, he is going to get the kind of stage that he has anywhere else other than Palace. Agreed. I think... I think, you know, you think about that, that type of play you saw yesterday. That would not look out of place, you know, at some of the, you know, the world's biggest clubs. If he leaves Palace, I want him to go to the, you know, to the biggest stage. I want him to give us... PSG. <laughs> PSG. Yeah, Barca, yeah. Real Madrid. You know exactly, what I mean? That's right. where go he somewhere. should be. Yeah. That's where he should be. Go and do that. Go and play in a, in a team that express, you know, that's expressive, that... You know, have wonderful, passionate support, and you know, play amazing football. Don't go and turn up at Tottenham in a soulless atmosphere full of people who hate you every week. I agree. You know what I mean? It's just, I can't imagine. It would be such a shame. This guy is just—he is the—he is the best. He's absolutely superb. And you know what, Chris? One, one other thing. I'm sorry. My son Xavier was saying yesterday that cross that he put in for Fraser Campbell is a brand new type of a cross. It's the same cross point for Manteke for one of the goals he scored in the beginning of the year. It's like yeah. a check back, spinning. It's a perfectly weighted ball. He never had that last year. And it, it's, it just added a whole new part to his game that people talk about end product with him and Balassi. It is so great to see him finally get that crossing going. It's going to be something that he's going to just take and just go on and on and on. Sorry, DR. It's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I just want to give you a chance to speak. I will just mention that Gel tweeted. He didn't include at HOL Radio in it, but lucky for him, I've spotted it. He's disagreeing, saying he's not too good for us. He is us. Whatever it takes to keep him, we need to pay it. There you yeah. go. I'll start you off on that. DR, you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree. If we if we lose Wilf, I think we're in deep trouble. Benteke and Wilf, they have they have great. They're like. Uh, they're like, what should I say? Lukaku and Balassi of Everton. They have great... Yeah, they're really good teammates. They know, um, they know each other very well. If we, if we lose him, are we in deep... He's had so many... I think he's ranked 
third best in assists in the whole league. And in this league, we we have Coutinho's, we have Kevin De Bruyne's. He's ranked third best. That's how much he means. I don't think people around the country are realizing what Wilf actually is. If he played for England, then it'd be a different situation. I don't think Wilf would be at Palace right now. I think he would have been sold to I don't know um, PSG or something for sixty million. That's 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 what Wilf would have been. We can't lose him. I saw um, if, yeah. I saw, I saw on a on Twitter HLTCO I retweeted it was Man United fans saying we had a choice of keeping Zaha or Lingard. How the hell did we keep Lingard? Yeah, exactly. uh, but I did see I did see a follow up point from Man United fans saying that was, Lingard is ten times as bad as Zaha is. <laughs> and honestly, that that distresses me. <laughs> it distresses me that there's someone in the world who thinks that. Um, yeah. Because because Lingard plays for England. If you play for England, I don't know why everyone thinks that you you are a forty million player that deserves to play for a very massive club. If Zar played for England, he wouldn't be at Palace. That's the only worry I have. I want Zar to play for England, but if he does, I think the media will just hype him up too much. I think it'll be damaging for him. I think there'll be lots of pressure on him. And also for us, I think we will lose Zaha. And we can't lose Zaha. We need to offer him a new contract. ASAP. No matter how much he wants, he deserves one of the most money he's paid. Because the commitment he shows going back and forward for this club is unreal. He bleeds us. He works for us. So we need to have Zaha in our team. Offer him a new contract yeah. today. Obviously, I don't believe that... Um, you know, he, his current contract won't make him anywhere near the top uh, paid player. In, in the club but and when you look at what he's producing you know Benteke is probably the top play, paid player at the club you'd imagine along near near Kabai but Wilf has got every right and it's not my money <laughs> but Wilf has got every right to say come on how, how long have I been the, the shining light here you know I was the best player last season I've I've upped my game even further this season you want you talk about wanting me to stay and not selling me to to, to Spurs for twelve million. Fair enough. Okay, that was a, an offensive bid, but you know I deserve to be paid along with the top earners at this club, and we have to do it if we've got if we want any hope of keeping with us. And I and I agree with you, Di. It's a really good point to make that the link up with him and Benteke. There's no coincidence that the two of them celebrate the goals together because yep. the two of them are are forming you know a, a partnership on on the pitch, and it's. It's brilliant to see, but we want that. We want to see that for the next three, four years. We don't want to see it until, you know, the end of the season at best. Um, you got some stuff in the chat room, Patrick. Yeah, I do, Chris. Um, Booty Eagle um, would take the Afcon over the permanent move. I'm I'm with him on that. You know, obviously to keep Wolf through January is, is important. Uh, Tim Gypsy Hill underscore sorry, Tim underscore Gypsy underscore Hill underscore sixty four. I thought he was gonna cry when he scored. Well I did cry. No, just kidding, I didn't, but um <laughs> uh if he leaves anywhere but the spots, then I'm with you on that. Chris said that before. He's gotta to go to a bigger club than one of these top four English clubs. He's he's so good that um you know, he deserves a, a much better um um platform than that. And lastly, Boo. This kid gets better the more I hear him. Well said. I think it's about you, I think, DR. So. <laughs> I think he is. Uh, I knew, oh, yeah. I absolutely knew that Joe would, I mean, or Boo, whoever, whoever, whoever Boo is. I absolutely knew he'd be a huge fan of DR. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, thank like, you. Oh, I've got, you're I've got similar attitudes. <laughs> that is a compliment, uh, Boo, whoever you may be. 
<laughs> anyway, a um, couple of there's a discussion going on between um, a few people. One of the, one of whom we don't have who's got a protected account, so I don't know what he's saying. But some arguments over whether or not Dan um, Dan had a good or a bad game, which I think Lucy quite vehemently said he was awful. But there's been some argument over that. Uh, a bit of a something I, I sort of thought as well, where he got that, that yellow card in that argument. Look, the the penalty he got given against him unsettled Scott Dan. Definitely unsettled Scott Dan. He, he and and I would say he didn't have the best of games. And he what? But he was turned, as Dr. pointed out, he was turned by a really good piece of skill. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't Dan's best game by a long shot. Um, but there's you know we've talked about a lot of the reasons for that. He was in a back three for some of it, which is not normal. Um, and we've talked about the fact that that lack of confidence in some of the players around him is probably having an effect as well. But you know, it wasn't a good day for the defence. Anyone in the defence. So let's, you know, and that, that's been the case more often than not this season. Um, bit of a come down from talking about Zaha to going back to talking about the defence. <laughs> oh, I feel terrible again now. Chris, um, was it a back three or was it a back five? I see, I, I saw it as a back five instead of back three. You're well, saying it there. I see what you mean, but um, but obviously the idea was for, for Ward on the right and for Fries on the left to get forward. Mm. Um, they, they were asked to do the wing back role. Yeah, but, but you never know. DR, imagine putting a back five against Hull City. Seriously. Yeah, that's what. Backfire. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what nah. I was worried about. This, was this is how. Three. This is how ruined. I thought <laughs> it was a back five. I saw it yeah. as a back five. That's why I was like, "What is going on? We're playing five at the back against a team that scored the least goals in the Premier League. Yeah. Is this where we came from? That's why I thought it was a back five. But, yeah. but seriously, again, I, I don't want to labour the point, but you, that when you say that, it really does hit home. The, the, they'd scored the least goals in the Premier League and they walked through us. You know what I mean? Dear Munda, right? As, as a striker, hadn't scored in 12 games. He looked like a world beater by the end of that game. <laughs> we gave him so much space and confidence. It's unbelievable. He was, yeah, he's, he's a strong player. But if you look, Hull did their homework properly, right? They they turned, they got in behind us. It was, it was balls over the top. They brought uh, Huddleston back into the side and he can pick a pass. There's a lot that he can't do, but he can pick a pass. Um, and they just went over the top of our defence. Our defence running back to our own goal. That's as soon as, soon as they, they you do that do that to them, they really struggle. Even when they come back and turn around, and that's where they get static as well. And I say we've talked about Livermore, Livermore just walking through the side. And you can see it in his face. He cannot believe it. He <laughs> cannot believe he scored that goal. <laughs> no, yeah. He's got to just he gets the left foot pass it into the net. You know, I've you know, I've I have sympathy with the players, but and with the manager, but because the manager can't come on the pitch and say, "Guys, what the hell are you doing?" You know. But when they, when they do the training, when they you know do the work in training during the course of the week, he can play a video and say, "Guys, what the hell were you doing? What is behind this?" Um, and we talked last week. We said, "Let's hope this game against Southampton isn't the blip. Let's hope the actual blip." Is is how badly we've done in the last few games, and that this is turning a corner. And unfortunately, we've we got more of the same. So you go through the go through social media, and yet again, it's people saying that Pardew's time has got to be up. As you say, Patrick, it's not up. You know, we've been told that. All, calling for his head, not going to happen. Just, just you know. And for that, I have some sympathy with some of the people on Twitter who are saying, "Look, just you know, support the team, back the manager." Say it again. We support the team. We back the manager at the games. And you'll never catch me uh, booing 
a manager or a player at Crystal Palace, no chance, not ever. Well, right. maybe if Mullery comes back somehow, but <laughs> I, I just won't do it. I will, I, if Steve Bruce got a managerial job, I wouldn't do him. You know what I mean? He's, he'd be our manager. I wouldn't do him. Right. But <laughs> well, Pulis might be a problem as well. But anyway, um, <laughs> just but basically, but when you when you get into a situation like this, we're here. To, you know, we're trying to analyse what's happened. We're trying to talk about what the problems are. How long has it been? How long? How you know? How many times do we have to make excuses? How many times do we have to listen to, oh, we had some real bad luck there? It's something is wrong and it needs to be put right. And the manager is the one responsible for doing it. If it's the coaching, the manager needs to fix the coaching. All right? If it's, if it's poor attitude from the players, manager needs to get rid of those players. It, it's, you know, it's unforgivable how we're struggling at the moment. And if we, okay, yeah, fine. We're six points away from probably mid table or whatever it is, or I, I don't know, but. It doesn't excuse the performances. We've got some real tough games coming up. And um, I think, you know, we could, after this Christmas period, where we are is going to dictate very much how much how good of a season we're going to have. Patrick? Yeah, uh, Chris, you know, the way we're talking, you think we'd have lost that game yesterday. We actually got a point, yeah. but it doesn't feel like it. I've never felt like this about a point ever as a Paddy sport. Never in my life. I'm not even kidding. So it makes that gives you a little perspective. We got a point, but it doesn't feel like a point. But your point, again, about um, post December, January, we have Swansea, home, West Ham, away, Everton, home, Bournemouth, away. February, Sunderland, home, Stoke, away, Middlesbrough, home. Those fixtures are absolutely huge. Those seven fixtures, I think it's seven, yeah, are absolutely huge for us. And that's only good FA Cup game, obviously, against um, Bolton or whatever. But that's why I think, he, that's why I know he's going to be here through January, because I think that they actually believe that, forget the upcoming matches against United, Chelsea, Watford and Arsenal. When we get to January, he's going to win four of those matches. They think that anyway. I don't think it's going to happen, but they think it's going to happen and that will save our season. But if we don't win majority of those matches in, in January and February, we're dead in, in, uh, in April and in May. We're going to be dead. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It'd be a very, very tough sort of period to recover from wouldn't it if you if you yeah. if you're left needing points for anything in those those two months no because i'm telling you april has seems like chelsea southampton arsenal leicester liverpool may has man city may united i mean if we don't if we don't do something january very very we're, we're going to we're going to be in such a ter- terrible shape it's going to be impossible to bounce back from it well in a couple of weeks it's an absolutely huge transfer window for us yeah yep. that's that's oh boy it's arguably you know, one of our biggest i'd say i'd say no argument about it. It's probably the biggest. It's the biggest decisions we've got to make ever. I mean, if you think about it, Wickham's out rest of the season. Suarez not back this season, so that's two places in the twenty-five yes. that have got to be filled. We've got to ship out some of this. Yep. I was nearly very unfair there. <laughs> some of these players who aren't quite up to it. We've got to ship some of those out. Jordan much? And, uh, <laughs> it's going to be hard though. Get some. It's get some hard. It is. You know, it's, again, it's not my money. It's easy to say, but pay up some of their contracts you know get rid of them uh, it's a horrible thing to say I know, that's not realistic i know but i'm just uh, i just it's me it's so important and that includes again i say it, two fullbacks sorry joe ward yep. at the very least he needs proper competition uh to get the best out of him we've seen how that works when you've got proper competition in the squad look at how wickham played before the injury when benteke took his spot yeah, came off the bench. Come off the bench. Yeah, got a, a sign position after a while. Yep. There you go. That's what it's all about. Strength throughout the squad. Uh, last little bit of contact. Uh, Lysette, who's over there with Dave Matthews in Mexico, says Zaha is a great example to young kids starting out. State your local team. 
work on your games, you get more minutes, and that's a that's a very valid yeah. point to make. Uh, but again, obviously, it just it drags us into the sort of the, the territory of talking about how little opportunity <laughs> young players get at Palace in the Premier League. Michael Phillips which, on the bench yesterday, at least. That oh, was. I do want to talk about that. Go on, dear. yeah. That was not because Michael Phillips. <laughs> that's that's because um, our squad. We don't have enough depth. That's it. That is not because Michael Phillips was gonna. Michael Phillips was not gonna play. He would. He would. I'm pretty sure he would have put someone else there, a ridiculous player, to play instead of Michael Phillips. And if they're not gonna get opportunities, I don't believe in our academy anymore. I just lost faith in it. Oh, there you go. I was delighted to see him on the bench. Um, me, me too. I know Luke Dre has been injured for for a while, um, and it, and it looks. I think well. I expect to see him get a get a debut before the end of the season to sort of cheer people up, but that might not happen if we're in the long end of the table by the end. But you know. But you know what, Chris? Yeah. I really think that we need to add about six players. I think we're only going to buy two of them. I think two of those other players should be youth players that come through post January. I really believe that Kaike needs to get a chance. He has to get a chance because we need a wide player, that kind of player. Why not? What someone we already have, and uh, somebody else if it's Dreyer. But I'm talking about giving him a real chance. The way United gave. Rash for the chance last year when they were kind of struggling with players being out. He's not going to have a better opportunity, except the fact we're going to be in a relegation battle, which is the catch-22. But I think really right now, you can't buy six players. You're right, we need a full, two full-backs, a centre-half, defensive midfielder, a wide player, and a centre-forward. We're not buying six players. We're just not. Well, you know, we've, got sh- we've got to ship out five, which is also hard to do. So I think if we can yeah. put two of them being youth players, go for it. It's going to get the, it'll get the fans at least interested, you know what I mean? People like me, well, you, DR, <laughs> Jell... <laughs> You know, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it. And I really, I really, what you say there is is spot on in the sense that you're not going to go out and buy that many players. But the obviously the beauty of the youth is that they sit outside the twenty-five. Exactly, another advantage, right? So they don't count exactly. So absolutely, the second half of the season. Yeah, let's let's have Kaiko back. Right. Because then there's there's an option there, isn't it? And he and you know he will get minutes. Will he benefit more by playing six months out on the rest of the championship? Maybe, but who cares? It's about exactly. us now. That us now right? but... Actually, actually, <laughs> no. I want options. You know, and uh, I, I can't, again, we haven't really got too much else that's out. But but again, Drea doesn't have to be in the twenty five, so he could be an option. You know, I, I've only seen a little bit of him, and the Premier League's a different animal. But he's what must be seventeen, I think. Yeah. Maybe coming on 18, Luke Dreyer. He can pick a, pro- a pass brilliantly. He really can. I nearly said pick a pocket or two. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I went all over. That's brilliant. I think, I think that shows that I've been doing this for too long. Uh, <laughs> a couple of tweets, actually. Brink has got in touch with a couple of them and says, uh, it's down to Pardew. We know, Pardew, we know what the players can do. There's no excuse for this and it could cost us dear. But who's going to want to join a struggling team? Uh, and that's the other point. We've we've actually talked to I think talked to Steve Parrish about this before in in terms of the where you are in the league when the window hits can have a huge impact on the type of players you can get. So again, if we're uh, if we're third fourth bottom at the time that the the transfer window opens, exactly. You know who like you say you're not going to go and get a, a, a massive talent who's going to come in and risk a relegation. You need to be up there up there threatening the top ten by that well, time to see who we can get. Him. But there's still you could you can't. You can get players if they if we if you're struggling because let me use this as an example. Let's look at Swansea, Sigurdsson. If they're struggling. <laughs> You've deliberately done this because you and Patrick have spent yeah. a day arguing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but it's just proving the point that if we offer Sigurdsson the money, I think he'll rather come and play for us than Swansea. You can get players. It's just it's just the players um, that we need. Maybe that's really unavailable. If you look at West Ham, you don't you wouldn't maybe Aaron Cresswell, but he wouldn't come to us really because of the salary zoning. So I I do kind of agree with you, but I don't because we can get the players, but it is difficult. But it is doable as well. Yeah, but DR again, let's take this on air. There's no point in getting Sigurdsson. He's not. He doesn't fill a need. We need players that fill a need. We need more defenders and defensive players. Sigurdsson's a great player. I'm not going to argue that with you on air or off air again. But I'm just <laughs> going to say that he, he. We don't need Sigurdsson. We need. We don't need. We need guys that can stop the ball from going in the back of our net. We can actually score goals. Believe it or not, we can actually score goals. <laughs> We're the sixth best goal scoring team in the in the division. Yes, the goals will drive eventually, but I'd rather get. A defender, Creswell's a good shout. He's not going to come to pass. A great shout. A right back, a centre, you know, centre back, uh, 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 central uh, defensive midfielder. Yeah, a general <laughs> 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 right? Yeah, let's let's focus on what we need. If we can get out a player like that, great. But that would be my last of my on my shopping list, not the first. Yeah, no, I, I I use that as example as a player like Sigurdsson because he's a great player and he plays for Swansea and I think we can get him if we wanted to get him. Yeah, I use that as example that we can buy players even if we're struggling. Because there's you know, teams out there. Let's get that. let's get that kid that um Chris like Will Keane is it Will Keane or Michael yeah, Keane? Michael Keane. Michael yeah, they're below us. Let's get him. You, you can you can get players like Michael Keane if you give him the money and if you talk to him and give him the opportunities. Should should have got him when Scout Chris pointed him out two years ago, shouldn't we? Exactly. <laughs> Three uh. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just for there we go. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I think we better stop there. Um, thank you so much for joining us today and. Um, just a quick warning. Obviously, there's the Man United game on Wednesday. There's a train strike, uh, which will affect some of you. Um, so do bear that in mind, of course. Um, the last thing we'll do today is uh, is hear your views on the match in forward views. But uh, just before we do that, can I point you the way of our preview podcast, which Terence has been putting together over the next couple of days. Uh, that'll be previewing, obviously, the Man United game as well as the uh, Chelsea game at the weekend as well. When you say those two games together, it does sound horrible, doesn't it? So I'm sure we're going to get some points out of those. Please, Wilf, please get some points out of those. <laughs> 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 and uh, we'll be back, of course, next Sunday. Cheers, bye. And I lost my shoe. John. Better than raking leaves. Dang people really should have won. Rickers, has he gone yet? Albert, Matt Curley, this can't carry on. TTT 450, Snodgrass Cheat, World Class. Drew Peacock, Snodgrass Dive, Unforgivable, Cheat. Paul Grant, Wilf is just class. Molly Butler, Superman, Frasier Campbell. Cav, learn nothing since Swansea. Less Anya, is Parker still here? Jedi, again no bloody defence. Lisa, Snidey Snodgrass, damned disgrace. I lost my shoe. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.